Thank you, Jim, for opening up God's word for us today and giving us another look at the Apostle Paul in his final days, knowing that he is soon to be with Jesus and yet exhorting young Timothy to go and fulfill the gifts and abilities that God had created him to be under the leadership and mentorship of the Apostle Paul. And so we can think of Moses in that way as well. And, you know, from last week with Andrea being here, Pastor Andrea, in Exodus 7 to where we're going to fast forward, if you will, to Deuteronomy 31, 40 years have passed. 40 years have passed. Now, I'll admit that with the... uh, creation of being able to record TV shows, the ability to record sports shows, I often kind of say, is this worth watching, right? I mean, if the Steelers have a great game and I wasn't able to watch it and I heard they won in the last second, sometimes I'm going to fast forward right to the end. We can do that now. Isn't that great? And even if you want to watch a whole game, you don't have to watch those commercials for them to tell you you don't know that you need this, right? And so you fast forward to the end, and in some ways, with all due respect to all the the meat from Exodus to Deuteronomy and and the details of this journey, we're going to fast forward to the end of this part of God's story. But before we do that, I'm just thinking, 40 years. Do some of you have a concept of like 40 years? Let's let's not go forward, but let's go back 40 years, which is 19 what? 83. 40 years ago, 1983, I know not all of you in the room, some of you weren't born yet, but a lot of us were. But in 1983, the video game Mario Brothers was first introduced on Nintendo in Japan. Mario Brothers, 40 years ago. The first mobile phones are introduced to the public by Motorola Corporation. Things that we just think are commonplace today, 40 years ago. The final episode of MASH airs and records 125 million viewers 40 years ago. Cabbage Patch Dolls. How many of you ever heard of Cabbage Patch? (laughs) They first were sold in a shop 40 years ago, and they caught on, and boom, 40 years. A lot can happen in 40 years, and uh, we don't even have 40 minutes this morning to talk about it. But we do have some time to think about those 40 years from when Moses um, began the journey with the people of God to the promised land. Last week we left off when Pharaoh had said no once again and Moses is thinking, what in the world am I going to do? And God says, trust me. And then came the signs Then came the plagues. As Pastor Jude mentioned in Exodus 12, the Passover was instituted 
in the midst of God's people. Then came the Red Sea, right? The miracle and mystery of the Red Sea parting. And thus, the 40-year journey begins to the promised land. The 40-year wilderness journey with water from the rock and manna from heaven. Manna, manna, manna. They got sick of it, right? The Ten Commandments. The institution of the sacrificial system and what it was like to worship God, to live under God's covenant, to preserve and keep the law. And in the midst of it all, people just said at times, we just want to go back to Egypt. What? In the midst of that 40-year journey, we just want to go back to Egypt. Leviticus tells us about the holiness of God. By the way, not the best book of the Bible to have a devotional in, okay? Numbers, numbers details Israel's journey from Mount Sinai to the place of Moab at the border of Canaan in the promised land. It's also where Moses and Aaron learn in Numbers 20 and 27 that they will not be the ones to take the people physically into the land. And then the book of Deuteronomy, the retelling or the re-giving of the law. It's Moses' last charge to the people, knowing that he is going to be leaving them soon. And for the first 30 chapters, there's a series of farewell addresses by Moses to the people of God. Forty years later, from Exodus 7 to now Deuteronomy 31. Will you turn there with me in your Bibles? Deuteronomy 31. This is God's word to us today. I'll be reading verses 1 through 8. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old. And I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So Jesus, thank you for your promise of presence with us today. I pray that we 
would not be discouraged every day that you give us as a gift. And even though at times we don't want to think about it, may we finish well. Every day is a gift, and we don't know how many days we are given, but may we finish well with your help for your glory and to be a blessing to others. This we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. A couple things to think about, friends, as we think about Moses setting the example of finishing well, as we think about the Apostle Paul setting the example of finishing well. Let's think about ourselves, not in a self-centered way, but let's think about ourselves and are we able to finish well with God's help? One of the things that we can take from this text today and Moses' life and the story that is recorded from Exodus to Deuteronomy is that the Lord is our deliverer. He will pave the way forward. The Lord is our deliverer and he will pave that way forward. Friends, Moses learns in this 40 years that he will never physically enter the promised land. Think about that. Moses learns that he will never physically enter the promised land. But what does Moses pass on? to the people of Israel and to Joshua, whom he has mentored and discipled? What does he tell them? The Lord has always been leading the way, and the Lord will continue to lead the way. So in verse 6, what does he tell them? Be strong and bold. Be strong and courageous. Have no fear or dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you. Friends, I don't think George Patton or John Wayne are biblical um, references, but let me just give you their definitions of courage. Be strong and courageous. You know what George Patton said courage is? Courage is fear that has said its prayers. (laughs) Courage is fear that has said its prayers. And good old John Wayne, right? Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyways. (laughs) Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyways. But more importantly, Moses is pinpointing the Lord as he tells them to be courageous. God has always been in charge and he will continue to be in charge. Moses is stepping back and basically saying no leader's words, gifts, abilities, or talents should be placed above the Lord's. Moses had served his time. He had made his share of mistakes, and so have we all. Amen? And yet God redeemed him. God forgave him, and God empowered him to play the part that God wanted him to do. I often chuckle because, you know, Good Shepherd, as you well know, is in the midst of a pastor nominating process, a search. And sometimes I think we're looking for Jesuses out there, right? (laughs) And we want the right person to be called to Good Shepherd. But may we never think that they are going to be above the Lord's promises. The journey from Egypt to the promised land, this was God's doing. This was 
God's calling, and he grafted Moses and Aaron and others into it. But along the way of that 40-year journey, there were plagues. There was the Red Sea, as I mentioned. There was those 40 years in the wilderness. Manna from heaven, which the people got sick of and, of course, complained about. I mean, imagine eating turkey for 40 years, right? God was faithful, friends, all in the midst of idolatry, unfaithfulness, moaning and complaining, and stubborn as those people were. As stubborn as I am, as stubborn as you are, God's committed to keeping his promise. And there were days when the people on that journey with Moses and Aaron leading them just wanted to go what? Back to Egypt. This isn't working. This isn't working, Moses. Did you hear from God correctly? And yet here is where I believe that we need to also be reminded that forgiveness is God's idea. Forgiveness, friends, is God's idea. Setting us free from our sin, delivering us from our sin, healing us from our sins against the Lord is God's idea. He could have said, three strikes and you're out, Israelites. He could have said, three strikes and you're out, Moses. But forgiveness, friends is God's idea, and he will do anything. He will do anything. He will move mountains. He will part seas so that we might be reconciled to him. Friends, the Lord is leading the way and wants to take you from bondage to freedom. What God starts will finish. And the enemy, friends, wants to come against us and say, you have used up those three strikes. You have been flagged for a 15-yard misconduct penalty. That's what we're being told. You're not good enough. Take Moses. Take the people of God. Read the story. They weren't good enough. But God is. Amen? And so the second thing today, the first thing, what we just talked about, the Lord is our deliverer. He will pave the way forward. The second thing, trusting in God's direction, even if we don't totally understand. Even if we don't totally understand, are we able to trust God's direction? I am sure that there were times when Moses said, God, it is so hard to lead these people. And in fact, in the book of Numbers, when when God told Moses again to just go and speak to a rock and water would come and fulfill the thirst, the physical needs of the people, they were moaning and complaining again, friends. (laughs) The Lord told Moses, just go speak to this rock and I will provide the water. This is the first time, friends, that we really see Moses get angry. Read about it in Numbers chapter 20. Moses is about ready to just mm, give it to them. And instead of speaking to the rock, he taps the rock. God still provides the water. But because of this, 
Because of Moses' anger at the people and his disobedience to the Lord, this is where Joshua comes into play. Moses commissions, or excuse me, the Lord commissions and calls Joshua to be the one to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And we can sit there and scratch our heads and say, he tapped the rock, he didn't speak to the rock, and so he's out. But Moses loves the people so much, even in the midst of his anger, even in the midst of his head and heart spinning, he loves Joshua. He mentors Joshua. I mean, Moses could have thrown a fit and tried to disregard God's decision and saying, okay, I'm out of here. Joshua, you're it. But he didn't do that. In the midst of his own anger, he realizes that he has a heart and love for God's people. He doesn't want the sheep to be without a shepherd. And even though Moses' days are growing short, he mentors and disciples Joshua. Just as we heard about the Apostle Paul today. His days were growing short. He longs to be with Jesus. He's willing to be on this side of heaven as long as God wants to use him. But then in 2 Timothy, he realizes that his days are numbered. And he charges, he blesses Timothy, even from a prison cell. And so, friends, I think it's so powerful to see how Moses handled this leadership transition. What a great witness to the people of God as he mentored Joshua, as he charged Joshua in front of all the people of Israel. Friends, are you able today to trust God's direction even if you don't totally understand? What about you? What about me? Are you living for something beyond your lifetime? And am I living for something beyond my lifetime? Are you wanting to finish well? Now granted, not all of us are in Moses' exact situation. Most of us would agree we'd rather die later than sooner. Amen? I mean, if we're being honest, but we don't know how many days we are given. Every day is a gift. None of us know when. So what are we living for? What are we investing in for God's glory and others' benefits beyond our lifetime? Friends, I see Moses finishing well. Was Moses perfect? Absolutely not. He blew it from the very beginning. And yet God still had a call for his life. He got so angry at the people of God at that rock. And yes, God raised up Joshua, but Moses' love for the people did not stop. Think about family and children and passing on the faith. Mentoring and discipling others. These are not insignificant, as intangible as they may seem. But what seeds of faith can you deposit by your words and your actions? Living beyond our lifetime. You know, I think of the Apollo 11 mission. Remember that? Some of you would remember that. July 20th, 1969. I was one year, three months, and four days old. 
had no idea what was going on with Apollo 11. But Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins sure did. A half a billion people were watching on TV 240,000 miles away on a Sunday evening at 10.56, the landing on the moon. But it was over eight years earlier on May 25th, 1961, when President Kennedy challenged to put a man on the moon before the end of the decade. But President Kennedy never lived to see that reality, did he? Now, he probably fully expected to, and maybe he was even planning to run and win a second term. But friends, the, the miracle and the mystery of that Apollo 11 landing on the moon, it's his vision spurred countless people in the 1960s to plan and prepare for something that was to happen eight years later. That type of rocket science and engineering hadn't even been thought of, let alone built. Computerization advances would, would be needed. NASA had so much to learn and develop and practice. Some experts even said, this is no way is this ever going to happen. Now that's Apollo 11. But what about you? What is God's call for you? Moses' ultimate letting go into the presence of God took place on the highest peak of Mount Nebo, where God guided him to go and survey the promised land one last time. He was never physically going to enter it. He got so close. And as I have read and reread the book of Deuteronomy, looking for some evidence of an inner struggle, some indication that Moses argued with God one more time on that mountain, I can't find it. I can't find it. Whatever letting go Moses had done in order to leave the house of Pharaoh to find God and himself in the wilderness prepared him for that moment of finally letting go. Settling down by the well in Midian and being content to be a soul in God's presence had prepared him to sit on the side of that mountain, very content to be a soul in God's presence. And you know what, friends? I believe being at peace with his soul content was Moses' promised land. I'll say it again. I believe that Moses mentoring and charging Joshua and the people and being at peace with God in God's presence on that mountain, that was Moses' promised land. That presence of God first entered Moses' life as he was rescued from the Nile River, right? In that little basket. And then the burning bush experience, he stood in the presence of God. And God brought Jethro and Aaron and Joshua into his life. And even though Moses was not perfect, there he was in the presence of God, 120 years old, and the presence of God was enough. 
Is it possible, friends, to get to the place where we are so given over to God that physical death is just one more step towards the intimacy and union that we seek? It's hard to say. It's hard to think about. I almost didn't share it today. Every day is a gift, amen? And yet God longs that we would just want to be with him. That is our promised land. And how can we pass that on to others? How can we mentor that on to others? In 1968, a few days before I was born, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. But Martin Luther King Jr. expressed in a speech in Memphis, Tennessee, on the night before he was assassinated, of such a posture, I believe. He said in that speech, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. This is a day before he died, friends. Like anybody, I would love to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will and to be allowed to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm so happy tonight, he said, I'm worried about, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Wow. The night before he was assassinated. And so, friends, I am humbled to have just hit the tip of the iceberg this morning with, with Moses. But I believe Moses was really at peace. I mean, at, at times, I have often thought Moses must have been so frustrated. He had endured 40 years of hardship and leading the people who complained a little bit, moaned and groaned, got sick of manna, Wanted to go back to Egypt, and then he gets mad one time at them, and if you will, disobeys God, and he says, okay, Moses, you're going to stop right here. But I believe on that mountaintop, Moses was at peace, and his soul was at rest, and that was his promised land. 